Hi, Lawrence Tam here, co-founder of The Wellness Couch. The wellness event of the year is here. We don't want you to miss out. After two sellout summits back-to-back, we're going to be back again for two days of powerhouse wellness. Fresh faces like Kale Brock and Steph Lowe, special guests Nat Kringudis, Kirky Joe Witten, the Up For Chat Girls, Marcus Pierce, and of course the wellness guys. Myself, Damien, and Brett are all going to be in Melbourne, August 15th and 16th, and we want you there. To take advantage of the special early bird tickets, go to thewellnesssummit.com. That's thewellnesssummit.com before they run out and get ready for two days that will change your life. We look forward to seeing you there. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up For A Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. Karen Smith's not here. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And here we are in Sydney, the two of us. And even though we could not get the princess tart online, (laughs) we decided that we would share with you. There was just too much information Mm -hmm. to not share with you what we have just learned at the Amazing Mind Forum. Cindy, I know you've been coming to this for a number of years. Explain to everybody what the Mind Forum is, what it's about, and then let's get into what we learned. Because... We had many highs and lows, really, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We found ourselves crying and feeling despondent. Do you know, this was the first Mind conference I've been to. I um, have known about Mind for many years, but it's just never worked in with my schedule. And this time I thought, I'm going to book it months and months and months in advance so that I do make it. Plus, I wanted to interview a couple of the speakers. So that was another very good reason for coming. So Mind is all about, um, it started 10 years ago, so we had the 10-year anniversary, and Mind is all about our children who are getting autism and Asperger's and even ADD and ADHD, and how we can treat or help these children, help parents to help these children, but more on a holistic point of view as opposed to, let's just give them a drug. This was nothing we can do for you. There's no hope for you. Just go and live your life. So the speakers are pediatricians from the US, from England, uh, from um, Australia, like specialists in you know natural, natural therapies, but they're medical doctors. A lot of them were medical doctors. There were naturopaths there. There were chiropractors Does mine there. stand for anything? It, M-I-N-D-D? I think it does, but I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know. Yeah. And, and I've just been asked to be an ambassador of mine. I know. So that was pretty exciting, so I better learn what it means. Like I, I understand the concept of it, but I don't know what M-I-N-D-D stands for. So And anyone can go, can't they? Yeah, there's, there's um, two groups. So there's the general public which you and I attended and absolutely loved and then there's the uh, practitioner group so I think they said there were 250 practitioners in the room including medical doctors chiropractors nutritionists dietitians naturopaths uh, naturopaths. so there was a lovely uh, you know a lovely array of amazing professionals in that room and they did more diagnosis treatment technical stuff yeah case studies things like that whereas in the general in the general room where the general public were, 
I reckon there, I thought there was about a thousand, but what mm. do you think? I think once we split off, there was about 500 in our room, and then you could even split off into the adult section and the child section, yeah. which was hard because I wanted I to attend both. Um, but it was my first experience, and I have to say to you, part of going, not only as a practitioner myself in the past, but as a business owner, as a educator, as, as someone who is in the business of trying to be as natural as possible. <laughs> Do you know, one of the things I've always, I had an epiphany at this Mind Forum that I've always thought of 28 as a chemical-free skincare range. But after that four days, I realised there's no such thing as chemical-free. And I think my meaning, my significance around what chemical-free is always, it's still the same. But I've realised now with babies born with over 200 chemicals in the umbilical cord, with polar bears in the Arctic being found to have chemicals in their blood, this day and age, we do not live in a chemical-free world. So um, that was one of the epiphanies I got. I think listening to a number of the different speakers was just, or every different speakers. I was glued, every single one of them. I took so many flipping notes, thought I was back at my own university of, of studying. But I really um, loved the organisation. So you get these booklets with all the slides in it already. So because there is so much information, you get the opportunity to take it away with you and to reabsorb it. You and I have both spoken since we attended the forum and already our delivery has changed. I think it's great that people like us are constantly getting cutting-edge information. Some of the Skype interviews were phenomenal with people like Stephanie Seneff and the gorgeous Sally Fallon. I thought was just amazing. Do you know what it did for me? was it brought everything that I'm learning almost together in one big melting pot. And I think we can both safely say we had meltdowns, mm-hmm. um, but we also had breakthroughs. And we're also, whilst despondent on one level at the incredible hideousness of what's going on out there in the world, was also enlightening to know that we are part of a tribe, a community, just like our gorgeous listeners that are making a difference, that you know do need to keep doing what we're doing in order to support the human race to continue its existence. Mm. I think you've um, put that into the best summary of what we actually did learn. Mm. And, yeah, our despondency was palpable. Um, yeah, we had tears in our eyes because of what we were learning, that, you know, our children, there are new diseases that were not seen five years ago that or they were very uncommon five years ago that are becoming common amongst our babies and our children. And they included eosinophilia disorders, so EOE, so it could be of the esophagus, of, of, of the esophagus could be of the gastrointestinal tract, um, mast cell problems, you know, where what's happening is that the, the body is eating itself and attacking itself as opposed to infectious diseases attacking us, it's our body is turning on itself. So there was the mast cell, there was the new one, F-Pies. I had not heard of F-Pies, and I know that that has been around for quite a few years, but um, because I work probably more in the adult um, world, I I wasn't realising what was happening with our young babies, our little babies. And I think in the last six months I've been awakened to that because I've met mothers. We have mothers who work for Changing Habits that... Um, are in this predicament and we're doing everything right yet our babies are still suffering so given everything I mean everyone's going to be listening to this going what are those things Mm -hmm. given everything you know and the knowledge you've had what were some of the greatest breakthroughs or understandings or things that take-homes what were some of the take-homes you got from it 
as someone who's qualified, you know, as someone who's already in this realm, what simply can you give us that you took home that you want to share with other mums, families and, and people? Well, I think, number one, you and I got the same. And we've both spoken, as you said, since that. And we've both both had this quote. And I, and I think it, it is something that we heard from one of the speakers and then your we, new best friend my new best friend <laughs> which we will talk about you know how listeners i always say well cindy says and cindy says this and cindy says that well cindy now says natasha campbell mcbride says or natasha says and the other night she even dropped it into nat says so that's how close they're getting <laughs> well i had six days with her you know i interviewed her on the wednesday then mind she spoke each day that i went to and then I also um, had two days with her in GAPS training. So it's very hard not to quote a very wise person who, and, and the, probably why she appeals to me, and my dad always says it, I like that man, he thinks like I do. <laughs> and that's what Natasha is, but she's a medical doctor with a degree in neurosurgery, with a degree in nutrition, with a degree in, I think, even gastro uh, gastrology. I look. She just seems to have degrees coming out of her, out her ears. She doesn't practice as a medical doctor. Mm. She practices as a nutritionist. Wow! Because the medical profession will um, dismiss her off the the registry. She's a registered medical doctor, but she calls herself a nutritionist because she knows that she's able to use just food and not ever use a drug unless she thinks it's important. Um, but she's able to use food, and I think. I saw this well-educated woman with degrees, like, like more degrees than any many people I know, saying what I say and and saying we have to get back to food. We have to stop looking down the barrel of a microscope and believing that it's zinc that's going to save the world or B6 that's going to save the world. She says it's food that will save the world. So this was our aha, and I think it's ours together. And because we wrote it down, we actually got home and said, "How can we succinctly say what she was saying?" And um, we're going to read it together. Oh, are we? Yeah, we're going to okay. read it together. So it's a, a woman's, woman's empowered divine honor to be in the kitchen, to feed her family, to heal a nation. Mm. And then I just. I started crying. Mm. I have to tell you, I just did TVSN mm. just a couple of hours ago and um, I said that and the presenter started crying. Mm. Now, this is a, a shopping channel <laughs> that I love going on because I've got an hour to talk about all this wonderful food stuff and I said that and she started crying. Mm. And I think, I, I think why she cried and why you and I cried is that it, we've lost that. Mm. We've lost that divine honour to feed our family. And, you know, Kim, you said that, um, you know, if, if you don't like feeding your family... Well, she made a comment, our friend Natasha, <laughs> um, she made a comment that basically if you are a woman, and we're saying women, of course men can get in the kitchen as well, but I think what she was trying to make a distinct um, or distinction with was that, you know... Well, can, can I just back up a little yeah, bit? Just, back up. just to back, back up. Because, <laughs> because after all the years, you know, I've got a beautiful counsellor, beautiful um, Jacqueline that we've interviewed before on the podcast. And she's always had this conversation around um, the roles that men and women play. And she believes one of 
women's downfalls in this day and age, she's nearly, she's 90, um, is that us women are overstepping our boundaries as to what our divine role is. And she talks about a man as his divine role is to hunt, to gather, to protect and provide. Like that's really instinctually what a man's role is about. Very yang energy and very, very focused on hunter-gathering, providing and protecting. She believes that a woman's right is to nourish, nurture and create a home environment that everybody feels safe and loved. And when I look at it like that, when Natasha was saying it is a divine honour for a woman to be in the kitchen and cooking for her family, I didn't take it as, hey, woman, get in the kitchen, cook me some eggs. Um, (laughs) I took it as, you're damn right. The love and the intention, like look at the Italian mamas, look at our our traditional cultures of women stirring and talking and, you know, saving worlds over conversations. If you ever watch the movie, like Water for Chocolate, you know, when Tito and Petra, Petra can't be together and the grandmother's making the wedding cake for this for this man to be with the love of his life, she knows she can't marry him because it's not her right because she has to look after her mother. So he marries the sister to be close to her. It's just the most beautiful story. But one part which connected me and reminded me and Natasha was the grandmother is cooking, baking the wedding cake with her in the kitchen and they're stirring and they're adding rose oil and they're adding these beautiful ingredients ingredients and they're both crying their tears into the cake because the grandmother knows she sees the love between these two people and knows that she can't be with her and so she's crying for her granddaughter's loss the granddaughter is sobbing because she knows she can't but they just both know it can't be so as they're crying into this beautiful wedding batter when the cake's made and on the day of the wedding um, all the all the guests are having a ball and they're all laughing and it's a beautiful celebration on one level. But the minute they all start eating the cake, they all start crying. And the grandmother and the granddaughter stand there watching what's happened. And what hit me and what gets me in this movie, Like Water for Chocolate, is the intention, the vibrational energy we put into preparing and creating food. Now, this might just be a fable and a story. But I know when I'm making dinner for my children and I'm cross and I'm grumpy and I'm saying, bloody hell, can you all get to the table? When I'm talking (laughs) like that, the dinner gets slammed on the table and I've got to rush out. And the intention, the vibrational love and energy is not what it is when I know I'm in a place of grace or a place of honour and feeling that duty. So that really, and I watched that movie 27 years or 25 years ago, I think it was, when, as soon as it came out, gosh, don't quite me. Rem- I can't. I don't even remember that movie. I know I've seen it, but I'm now going to go and watch it again. Well, I got sent to it. I shared this on stage years ago, and I have. You can't get the film. It's hard to get. Oh. Do you know a, a complete stranger out of the blue somehow got a copy for me and sent it to me anonymously in the post, and I got a copy of it, so I've got it at home. Oh, good. So we should watch it together. Yeah. Because it is one of my favourites. Now, what's the name of the movie? Like again? Water for Chocolate. Like Water and for Chocolate. And it's also why I called my book Like Chocolate for Women. Ah. It's where I got the whole analogy around that. And, yes, there was a story of watching the film Chocolate as well, which, again, is about a woman who falls in love with chocolate and creates love and romance 
through making chocolate with true divine love. So I think, um, whilst I might sound like I've gone off track, it really feels to me that was the essence of what mine brought back to me, that mm. when I am standing in my kitchen preparing a meal for my husband, preparing a meal, a meal for my children, preparing a meal for myself, it is such a divine right that we have as women to hunt out what it means is good nutrition. I think, you know, I think what Jacqueline said also is that, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with having a man sit down at the head of the table and we all wait till he's seated to, to share our meal and hold hands and say grace. It's not about putting a man at the top of the pecking order and, and when ego comes into place, I think that's when control and a sense of not being equal happens. But look at the castle, the movie The Castle. He sits down and he's like, geez, Dal, where did this come from? It's meatballs, but geez, Dal, it tastes amazing. Now we, now you know why we don't go out for dinner. The fact that he honours her in that way, he, she, she, it's such a beautiful right to put a meal in front of people that you love. When you and I catch up, whenever we sit there, we have a grace. Whenever we prepare a meal, we sit there and we're like, geez, Dal, this is amazing. So I think all science aside, all academia aside, all these incredible PhDs aside, the essence of what they're all saying is, is it comes back to food and the gut, which was the next thing that we really learned. We did. And you know, um, it all comes back to culture and tradition. It all comes back to what we used to do and what we've lost, that we've been seduced by the grocery store, by the packaged food manufacturers and the advertising and the marketing. And it, and it is a seduction that says you don't need to be in the kitchen anymore. And it started about the 50s and 60s and got into full momentum probably in the 80s. And that seduction has to stop. And we as individuals um, and as you know, mothers of the family as well as fathers of the family need to probably stop this because we are ruining generations to come. They're, they're, you know, a lot of the information that was being given there was showing the grandmother giving the mother, giving the daughter the important bacteria, not only the gen genetic makeup, but the bacteria. And the bacteria make up 90% of us and our cells, our genetic cells, are only 10%. So we're really a hive of activity of bacteria. We can look at our metabolism and say, well, this is the cell's metabolism. That's 10% of what's happening in the human body, but 90% is the microbiome. And since probably the 40s and 50s, we've been in an antimicrobial era. So antibiotics, antibacterials, anti this, anti that. And it's all about anti-aging. Anti-aging, yeah, exactly. We're all in the anti-anti. And, and this destruction of the soil bacteria, this destruction of, the, of our bacteria, the destruction of the bacteria in the house even, has reduced our immune system, has created problems with our immune system, and thus we now see the body attacking itself. And I'm not saying this is the only thing because we did learn a lot, didn't we? Like... One of the, the things we learned was about um, the, the toxic state that we pass down to our children. Mm. This, now, this fascinated me. I'd never heard this before. And would you be able to just very um, briefly, just that aha, the epiphany you got around the firstborn, mm. the pregnancy, and maybe even your family, share yeah. with us what you learned there? Because, 
I think one of our next podcasts is all about pregnancy, so don't think we're going to leave you in a loop here, but this was... This actually made me cry. Yeah, it did, and it, and I just I I actually got a really sinking feeling as I as I, I had this realization about my family and people who are listening. You you may want to just go through your family history and just see if this is is what happens and and what you've seen. So um, one of the things we have done as hunter gatherers and agriculturalists is we've lived with the seasons. So in the summer, we would put weight on. We would put weight on for our hormones. We would put weight on for the winter coming. And we put it on as a result of the sweet fruits or the the things that were available to us in that season. So, And it was a combination of saturated fat and sweet fruits that enabled us to put this weight on very easily. And we would use the glucose for energy so we could store the fat for you know a scarce winter if it was going to come and if we got pregnant as women. And so that's what we would do in the summer. And then we would, in the winter, we would have the exact opposite happen where we would actually use our fat stores and we would, as a result of those fat stores, we would live off them because there wasn't enough food available to us. And we would do this every season, year in, year out. When we got pregnant, we would then use those fat stores while we were pregnant in order to for the baby to survive and for you to survive. And then... Um, if there were any, like if there was a volcano eruption and a lot of mercury was in the air, a lot of heavy metals came into the air and those heavy metals would fall on the grasses, would fall on us, we would be exposed to it, we would probably gain a little bit more weight because we may not have been able to get rid of these heavy metals. So we may not have been able to get rid of the, you know, the cadmium and the mercury and the yeah, aluminium and whatever was there. We've always been exposed to these heavy metals. So if the digestive system and the microbiome couldn't get rid of it all and it ended up in the blood system, because there's another backup system. So number one, the backup system, the microbiome lynches on these heavy metals and it, and they they sacrifice their lives for the greater good of the of the body and they're expelled out in the feces. Then if they get into the blood system, we have other systems that help latch onto them and get them through the kidneys. If we can't, if they're not gotten rid of in those two, we then pack it away in the fat cells so that when the winter comes, we release the fat and we release the heavy toxic metals or there could be other toxins in there as well, so metabolites um, that may have been um, created in the body. You know, so we just pack it away in the fat. So the fat becomes toxic, but in the winter we expel it again. Now we live in a world where we are constantly toxic we have food available to us 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year, decade after decade. Most of the food is refined. Most of it has additives, preservatives and flavourings. There's a lot of heavy metals. We're given antibiotics. We um, are given vaccines that have heavy metals in them. We are exposed to glyphosates, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but that's a herbicide for the ground, which is an antibiotic for the ground. And then we eat that antibiotic um, for the ground, but it also kills our ground and we'll, we'll talk about that ground if we get a chance so all of a sudden we get pregnant we've done no clean out before our pregnancy because we don't know any better and we get pregnant and at that time we may vomit for the first three months or we may not feel like eating so the body will use the fat stores not only have we got 200 chemicals in our cord blood but we've also got chemicals and toxins in our fat that then 
is used up and, of course, those are going to start running through our blood, which runs through our baby, which runs, you know, increases the amount of chemicals that that baby has. Mm. Then what happens is that we breastfeed our baby. We release more fat cells. We release more toxicity. And almost your first pregnancy becomes a dumping ground. Not that we mean to do that and not that we know that we do that, but because we are no longer living with culture and tradition and living by the laws of nature, we have created this predicament that we now live in and we now have. And until we understand this realisation, we will continue to get, we will have sicker and sicker children. And um, so I, that was the aha I got. That was Natasha, wasn't it? That you was talk, Natasha. Her words were, if I, if I heard it right, was... Um, your first baby, your first pregnancy is basically the greatest detoxifying process a woman's body will ever go mm. through. Is that right? Yeah, she did. Mm. And as she said that, I I went through my mother's family. This was fascinating. Yeah, it was. So my mum was the firstborn of 11. And I know you've heard this story before, but this is completely turned around. So she was the firstborn of 11. She was born in the cornfields of Iowa. Her, grandfa- her father was an Iowa corn farmer. It was the beginning of the chemical revolution. So she was probably born with a toxic load of maybe DD, um, DDT or some other chemical that they were then using on the cornfields, believing that it was okay. It wasn't until 1960 that um, Rachel Carson brought out her book, Silent Spring, and talked about these chemicals and their insidious nature on nature and on birds and on animals. Then in 1980, so my mother was born in 1937, so then in 1980, Leo um, Colborne brought out the book, Our Stolen Future, talking about the hormone disruptors that these chemicals had that passed only through the water supply, the insects and the animals, but then into humans and causing, at the end of the food chain, huge hormonal issues. So I started to go through my mum's family and I realised that my mother's firstborn, which was my sister, was diagnosed, she was always sick. She was little, she was sickly. Um, she had her adenoids out, her tonsils out. She was given antibiotics. She was the only one of Mar- Marcus and I never had antibiotics. She had them. She um, at at eight at twenty five was diagnosed with crest and died at forty six. So that was the firstborn of the firstborn. Then my mother died of lung cancer, no smoking, um, at sixty nine. So her life was a little bit longer than at least my sister's. But I I only remember my mum not being sick that much. So. I think my mum was born before the beginning of the chemical revolution. Or because of the way she lived, she actually kept herself... Like when you're aware, maybe she wasn't aware of the toxins in her, but she was certainly aware of healthy eating and she was your prime home cooker. She She was was. the Martha Stewart of her era. She really was. She was the Stepford mother. The Stepford mother. The Stepford wife, the Stepford... She was amazing. So then I went to the next, her, her brother. So her brother... His firstborn died at birth. His secondborn had type 1 diabetes. So remembering that his wife also was born in Iowa amongst the chemicals. Then I went to the next um, sister and not it wasn't her firstborn. And who knows what happened between the first and the secondborn. But the secondborn, um, he 
mentally did not cope with the world and committed suicide. He was diagnosed, I think, bipolar or something like that. So that was the next one. Then um, I went to the next daughter, and this daughter, um, um, it was her second born actually, not her first born, but her second born, um, he had the same problems, so mental disorders, um, bipolar, diagnosed with schizophrenia. And then, still um, alive? No, he, yes, he's still alive, but in, in you know, limited living, you know, limited, um, not having too much anxiety that he cannot move out of the area that he's in. Lovely guy, you know, and and he, you would think if you spoke to him that he was okay, but I don't think he's left his area of living for two decades. I think he's pretty well hooked in there. Then um, another female had a daughter who had a daughter with dysphagia, died at 16 months. Then my next uncle, born, and the wife was born in the Isle of Cornfields, um, had a son who died at six months. And as I kept going through every single firstborn of the firstborn of the firstborn, there was always something that I found um, that I just, I was just, there was only two that I couldn't find an illness in the firstborn or the secondborn. Out of 11. Out of 11 children. One didn't have children. So I couldn't, you know, I can't do much about that one. But out of that group, and he died at 11. Jeez. Yeah, he was the youngest and he died at 11. Was there any so was there any point, I'm just trying to remember from the conference, around it being the mother or the father or is it both? Well, I think the, the mother is the greater one. Well, she's the incubator. She's the she? incubator. But the father has a lot to do with it too. He just gives his genes. But remember, he lives with the mother. And his microbiome, whether it's in dysbiosis or not, can all, will affect the, the microbiome of, the, of the, um, the child as well. So once this just dawned on me, I realised that we need to get to our mum, our, ba- our young girls especially, our boys too, and we need to do preconception care. Mm. We need to do unbelievable clean-out. Because the rate of autism, they, they said in, um, I think it was 19, I had, the, I had it written down, I think it was like, let's say 1975, 1980, it was one in um, two and a half thousand or four in 10,000, I think 10, they put 000. it out, they're saying one in two. It's like the curve started slow and now it's just going straight up. Mm. If you were to look at a graph, the curve just keeps going straight up. And so 2032 is where, and the, and the biggest amount has been in the last decade. And that's when Stephanie Seneff. Oh, she was phenomenal. Yeah, that's when she put the, the writing on the wall and, and put some stuff together. She was actually fascinating. Um, Again, there's always the naysayers and there's always the people that are going to pick on us and, and pick on people like, like I say us, I'm putting me in that category of academics. Um, PhD in um, unbelievable awesomeness. Anyway. Um, <laughs> true. Um, it's true. It's all true. Um, but she had degree after degree, Stephanie Seneff. And you can look at, I, I actually posted something on my light chocolate, oh, not light chocolate, Kim Morrison um, public page. But it was also a link from Dr. Joseph McCullough talking about Stephanie Seneff about the glyphosates and this one and two with autism. Now, he was saying 2025. 
Stephanie's saying between 2025 and 2032 that we're going to have this one and two condition. But listening to her at the mm. at the conference, she is not a nutritionist. She's a scientist. She was a, a computer... A, a computer scientist. So this is where the naysayers were giving her grief, saying she's got no idea. <laughs> um, seven years she has studied this chemical called glyphosate. Explain to us around what that was about and, and then we'll link it all together. Okay. So first of all, I think it's important, why did she get into the health sciences? And then because she's a computer scientist, she puts data together. And she just, she's like the Einstein of the modern female world. That's what she is to me. Mm. She didn't look like her. She did, yeah. She, <laughs> her hair's wild and, and she's just... Gorgeous. She's just gorgeous. I, I I got to interview her. I went to MIT where she's got her degrees from and where she works and where she studies and where she's totally committed to saving people. And I, I think it's important that I, I say to you that Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride is a mother and a wife and a family and a devoted family member. That's her first role. Her second role is her research. Sally Fallon is a wife a mother, a devoted family member, a cooks, like they all got farms, they all, they all have, they're all devoted to their family and cleaning up their family's act and then telling the world about it. So Sally Fallon was the same. And Dr. Stephanie Seneff has four children, grandchildren, a devoted wife, a devoted mother, only cooks organic food. So these are the women we are talking about. These are the Mother Earth women. These are the women that want to save the planet, save the children, save whatever it is. So they have a greater cause. And eight years ago, uh, Dr. Stephanie Sines' um, husband went to the doctors and said, uh, the doctor said, you have high cholesterol, you need to take statin drugs. Well, she doesn't take that lying down, does she? <laughs> she said, we have been eating well, that can't be right, you know. <laughs> so she actually went and researched it and did the most amazing report on statins and cholesterol. And the report is... Why statins work is exactly why they don't work. Mm. And I've actually, if you go um, and get my cholesterol report, her report is attached. I asked her when I read her report years and years ago, I said, would you mind if I put your report on my report? I said, I'm happy to pay you. She said, no, you're, you have my permission, just put it with your report. That, that's how giving this woman is. So then once she's got into the health sciences, she started to go, well, what's, what's happening here? And then she started to see autism rising. And it was because of this rise in autism, she went, well, what's happening here? So she started to research. And her researchers honed her to glyphosate. Glyphosate is the chemical in Roundup. Roundup. And Roundup is used on GM ready Roundup crops. So they include soya, and soya is everywhere, by the way, canola, cotton, uh, corn, um, and, and there might be a couple others, but I cannot remember what wheat they are. Wheat and sugar. Well, no, wheat, are, wheat and sugar, this is the difference. Wheat and sugar are not genetically modified. Wheat and sugar, they use it to put as a desiccant. Mm. So let me explain how they use Roundup in these two. So before planting, they use the Roundup to kill the weeds. Then they plant the wheat, the, um, the wheat and, the, and the sugar. And then they want to kill off the plant before... They harvest it. 
So what's the point of that? Isn't that because the plant has this last sprout? It has a last sprout, but it's also a mechanisation of our growing of sugar and cane, uh, sugar cane and wheat. So it's the mechanisation, it's the monocultures, it's to make it faster efficient. We don't want to have beautiful wheat, um, like binding up the, the, the combine, you know, we, or the harvesters. We don't want those. So that's why they, they use it. In Australia, I'm not sure they're using it as a desiccant, but they are doing this in other countries. And wheat comes to us from other countries, as well as Australia, you know. So she started to look at it, and the warning on the glyphosate is that it doesn't affect humans whatsoever. You, and I've actually seen a video. I think you showed me this video. It was a French reporter asking an executive at Monsanto to drink the Roundup, and he refused to do it, and he walked out. But before he was saying, oh, you could drink it, it's not a poison, it's fine, and he brings out this glass of glyphosate, you know, Roundup. So they're saying that it doesn't affect humans. But remember, we are 10% human and 90% microbiome. And what it does do is it's a herbicide and it destroys the microbiology of the soil. It's an antibiotic to the soil and it's an antibiotic to our microbiome. And what she says is that it affects um, an enzyme that affects the, an aromatic amino acid or protein, the amino acid, that creates serotonin and dopamine. Serotonin and dopamine are made, 80% of it's made in the gut by our bacteria. So if the bacteria can't help with the, the pathway that creates serotonin and dopamine, then it doesn't go to the brain and your brain basically cannot function. You have no motivation. You have no calmness in your life. You can go manically up and down. So this is bipolar, manic depression. Uh, it also affects the brains of children. And, and it's not only that, but um, she was saying that it fixates. Um, and I would suggest you guys read her articles. That's all I can say. Don't take my word for it. Read her articles. They are phenomenal. She also said it, it also fixates heavy metals within the brain. And she shows the metabolic pathway and how it does it. She, um, what else did she say? Vitamin D, it affects the liver, which stops vitamin D. And she said, I want you to have a look. And she showed me graphs. And it's all association, but she's also now getting into the actual biochemistry of it and showing it. So at first it was association. She said, look at this. We've been using Roundup over the last 10 years on non-GMO crops, um, on wheat and sugarcane. And we use it in our playgrounds. We use it in our, for weeds. It's used everywhere. Um, like councils are using it. It's in the last 10 years because the patent's been taking off and it's cheaper and it's been told it's safe for human consumption. We're using it more. And she says, note in the last 10 years how the correlation of these graphs continue to be together. And then that's what got her into the biochemistry of it. And now she shows that it affects the sycamate pathway and, and that's what causes all these um, issues that we have today that are cascading, mm. that are exponentially growing. And her belief is that we must eat organic, grow your own foods, stay away from commercial foods because you we don't know the insidious nature of it. She says she's just tipping the iceberg. She says the increase in neural tube defects uh, is increasing, anencephalic, which means 
um, no brain or microcephalic, which means small brain. And these children, um, they they have the lifespan of zilt if they are nanocephalic, but if they're microcephalic, they'll never live. They'll never get past the age of five or six. They'll live past that age, but their brain won't. So, if we have this research, I, I, I'm a part of me is kind of thinking, will Stephanie live? long enough like we know how corrupt the political and particularly the food industry can be the chemical industry the food industry the the drug industry the beauty industry they're all they're all corrupt corrupt in some way or another all because of money it would be my subject this is just me and and my roundup (laughs) no pun intended um (laughs) of the whole situation but i'm surprised with this information that we learned and what we were told and what she was sharing so openly, um, that she's still alive. And, and I, I don't know. I'm well, I kidding. heard she had, you know, I heard it was it was quite scary. Like, it would be scary for her. Because the thing she was saying about the Monsantos of the world and the things like this is that every time they get brought up with some sort of science that the, 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 the concoction that makes up glyphosates is wrong or it's harmful they then tweak the formula and then their people make it safe again. So it's not even like it's going through, and this is just what I could understand, that it's not even going through what you would call a fear trial, if you like. It's, it's, they change it and tweak it and then their people make it okay and then they get found out, it seems, and then they change it and they tweak it and they make it okay. And they add substances to it. So she was saying something about oxalate they added to it. And I, I have to I have to go and listen to her again. Yeah. Because she said so much. So much. <laughs> and and look, I took notes. I just wanted to look the part. Um uh, <laughs> I, I think we all teach. wanted to look the part. She was just she was amazing. <laughs> she was amazing. Um, but but I kind of followed her. I, I might not I will not, I cannot repeat what she said, but I got some some things from it. And the other thing that I took from her with the whole way that the body is absorbing, is that these glyphosates are also what we don't know is their accumulation effect, mm-hmm. what's happening with the body. Okay, we get them in, they stored in the fat. Now, I would imagine that glyphosates will certainly be on the list of obesogens as well, so that if these chemicals cannot get out of the body, then the fat is the only way that we're going to be, that, that we store it or that we hold it until we find a way of eradicating it. The other thing that I got the feeling from her was is that we don't know what they're going to do. We know what they're starting to show graphically and her slides certainly showed the increase in the same amount that these chemicals are being used and mm. it was certainly an incredible lightning of those charts. But we also don't know if there's ever going to be a tipping point or a point where we actually start going the other way. And what her feeling and what Sally and what Dr Natasha was saying is that unless we are of the realm of awareness and start looking at the slow way of eating, which I really love this acronym, I did remember this, um, was slow stood for seasonal, eat seasonally, eat uh, locally, eat organically and eat whole. So when I was listening to that, I thought, well, that as a mum sits with me. I don't have to understand the sycamore pathways. I don't have to understand what's happening with the oxalates and how it's all working in it. But all I know is intrinsically, and even if you're listening to this in my camp, all I got from a heart point of view, from a gut point of view, was, oh my gosh, I've never understood the importance of eating organically more than anything. And then when the question came up with, I can't afford organics, which is always what people tend to say, 
I'm now realizing that as Natasha said, if we don't eat all that organically, we're going to have to invest. If it's not investing in organic food, it's investing in our sickness. Mm. So I really started to think then, well, and then here was the other level. Now you can understand why we started going down this rabbit hole was, okay, so I'm going to grow my herbs and my lettuces in my back garden. But if I'm buying these seedlings and these lettuces and things from typical plant places that are not organic, then I'm just buying into the whole process and system of probably glyphosate raised seeds or so really more than importantly you know going to our grandparents you know if you've got grandfathers or grandmothers that grow and food and vegetables in their garden that they've had the beautiful honor of growing like my mum has always taken cuttings from gardens you know from other people's gardens she still has a plant today that she took cuttings from from her mother that grew from her mother it's this one plant and you know what it only ever flowers when something beautiful happens in our family it's so amazing yeah. I've just gone blank with the name of this flower and I can't believe I can't remember it Rose no it wasn't Rose <laughs> um, although her name was Myrtle Millicent Rose um, but interestingly enough um, you know looking and, and I've started going back and asking her what was the history of our births what was the history of your mother's mm. birth what was about your grandmother and we started doing that just trying and mum doesn't know a lot or remember a lot but interestingly both her mother and her mother's mother died very young and they were first born so I don't know if that has anything to do with it but scarily enough they were all part of that now I'm just trying to delve into this from my own point of view and I may never get the answers Cindy I may never know what you know about your family so the point is this if we don't know we can make a difference now. Now let's start turning this around and looking at yeah. what we got shot. I mean, I think it reinforced what Cindy's been saying for 30 years. And, and I must admit, for you guys to be sitting there, you must feel so proud of your message for the last 30 years that even though you've probably known intrinsically and, and, and intuitively and with some science, obviously not some, I don't mean that derogatively, a lot of science, mm-hmm. you've learnt this and you teach this and you've had people walking out of you for years and you'll probably still have the naysayers knock you as they do every single day. But I have to say to you, my my friend, that there is such a growing swell of people that are starting to want to hear this mm-hmm. and particularly you know, young women that now are going to have babies and in our next podcast you'll want to stay tuned for next week's because we're going to talk about preconception care and and the ongoing of what it is to be pregnant and the responsibility of that. But really and truly, your message of that slow way of eating is probably the most important message we need to take home, that mums get back in the kitchen, dads keep hunter-gathering, let's say rituals around the honouring of what it is to have a... I mean, Sunday roasts was such a big thing. We, I took my brother yesterday, or my brother took me to see his new house he's bought. We picked up his fiance's grandparents, who have been married for 70 years. When we arrived at their house, there's these beautiful cherry tomatoes growing in their front garden. They're in their 90s. And he took us and he told us all that he worked in the railways for years. And on the drive down to Camden, he told us all about the railway line, all about the history, all about the the fact that there was a dairy farm on this land. And he was amazed to look at it now being so developed. And I just wonder what they must think and feel as they've gotten older. They've been married for 70 years. They were so beautiful with one another and so divine (laughs) about the way they helped each other in and out of the car. But just the rituals around that... But what was fascinating 
is that they talked about growing their veggies and how much of a privilege it was to be able to have their plants taken from the garden and straight onto the table. I don't know. I just took from that that if nothing else out of this podcast, if you can just do that. Oh, and the other thing I have to say to you, we haven't even touched on it. The other thing I took on was grow your veggies, eat slowly, but for God's sake, get broth into that gut. So, um, the <laughs> or other, gelatin. Or gelatin. Kim has been on a gelatin binge. I have. I she have. has. She's been on because she figures, well, I don't have to do a broth, but I can do gelatin. I can do gelatin. <laughs> So we've been making, I have to tell you guys, we've been in Sydney for nearly 10 days now. but um, And we, we, we got a house because we wanted to feed ourselves. So we've been making, we put berries in the bowl and then we whip up some um, gelatin um, and a little bit of hot water. Four with, heaped tablespoons oh, yeah. into a bit of warm water with coconut water. So the water was fairly warm. Fairly warm to dissolve the gelatin. Then... Added more coconut water and a litre. I'm giving you this is how she cooks. Let me just say it's a bit of this and a bit of that. I'm trying to give you a recipe here, people. <laughs> so, but Kim ended up putting some beautiful fresh mint over the, the, the berries. Then we poured the gelatin mixture onto the berries and threw it into the fridge. That's it. 15 minutes later, we had jelly, and I have to say to you, I ended up with jelly belly. <laughs> I had, I ate a third of it. No one was here. I ate a third. I could not stop eating it. Then I thought, well, I need saturated fat, so I poured fresh cream all over it. Talk about take me back to my childhood of jelly and ice cream. This was phenomenal. It was jelly berry, I, uh, jelly, and then I had And she my was cream. very quiet. Oh. <laughs> so I was up in the front room, and I'm thinking, she's very quiet. I... What she's up to because usually you can hear her doing something around the house. And I'm thinking, she's very quiet. And they come out and she's got this expression on her face of <laughs> being a complete jelly stupor. I'm serious. I couldn't move. I, I had jelly belly and I was so pregnant with it. I ate so much of it, but it was so good. So I figured, let's. Let's explain some of the ways that we mm. took home. So, yes, de- getting back in the kitchen. Getting back so in the kitchen. You've got to heal it to seal it. So all the leaky gut and all the problems that we're having with gut issues that are causing a lot of these autoimmune diseases may be creating a lot. Oh, gosh, Stephanie then went on about the vitamin D mm. not relating then to the sex hormone production. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think we should tell that story, actually. <laughs> actually, she's choking because, um, <laughs> we, because we heard all of this. We heard all about... You know, um, that we needed to eat broths again and that we also needed to um, have it for our vitamin D and our sex hormones and, um, and the sunshine. And we were going through the whole thing. And so on the Saturday night there was a dinner and um, we were invited by Charlotte Carr and Helen Patteron and her beautiful boyfriend, Jeremy, who's a chiropractor in Western Australia. And there was Kim and I and Nicole Hannon, who is a fantastic naturopath on the Gold Coast. So... We were on the half of the table and then there was another peop- a lot of people on the other half of the table that we didn't know who they were. And the meals got placed down and then I asked if it was okay if the- we all said grace. And, of course, I looked to Kim and I said, you're saying the grace. <laughs> so Kim says her beautiful blessing and then I decide I'm going to do the Aboriginal blessing, which is thanking the animals and plants to- for giving up their life for us to live another day. And it was a very, I felt, a, a beautiful grace that we both said. Mm. And before we had even separated hands from each other, what happens, Kim? What is, what is across the... <laughs> oh, this beautiful one. Look, she is beautiful. She's, She's a paediatrician apparently, but we didn't know her. And she, so instantly she turned around and, and she just made a very, 
she, she's vegan. And, of course, we have our very own princess vegan um, in our circle, <laughs> so we get their special needs. But this lady got very defensive and said, did you ever stop to think and ask the animals and plants if, that's, oh no, if no, the animals the wanted animals. to give up their life? Well, Cindy just went into major defence and turned around and went, did you ask the plants if they wanted to give up their life? Have you read the book, The Secret Life of Plant? Did you not listen to our podcast about plants that they are very intelligent? And then I got excited because I'd actually remembered some information I'd heard that vegans are, and this again, that we're not knocking vegans at no. all here, but what I was interested in, and particularly um, the fact that we know one, is that their sex hormones without the saturated animal fats in their diet that really affects vitamin D production, which also affects sex hormone production, which can make a lot of them impotent, which I was fascinated about, all very low sex drive. So I've turned around and went, and how's your sex life going? (laughs) Well, bless her heart. She turned around and she said, it's fine, thanks. I've got a 75-year-old husband. Well, this woman would have been my age, and I leaned into Cindy. Again, I hope she's not. If she's listening to this, it was not a put-down. But, no, not but I leaned into Cindy, and I went, well, if she'd said he was 28, I would have thought, yeah, rock on. But a 75-year-old's not lighting the fire right now. <laughs> anyway, so we giggled at ourselves. And then there's Charlotte sitting there with the chicken bone, the whole joint, and she's gnawing on the gristle. This poor vegan. All I kept picturing was was imagine Karen sitting there <laughs> anyway it was a very funny afternoon or evening but yes it was and 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 she is a pediatrician and um she looked brilliant mm. but she knows as a vegan how to feed herself mm. and many people who do vegan for um reasons because they feel that they want to have a, a moral code um against any harm to animals um don't feed themselves properly, and that's where they get into trouble. Mm. So, you know, Charlotte Gerson has been a vegan, and she's in her 90s, so all her life. So we, we it's not that. It was just that it was quite funny. It, <laughs> you had it to was, be there. You had to be there, but it was it was very funny. So the take-homes we took yeah. was getting back in the kitchen. Brothing was a big thing. Tell me why broths are so important. Well, she it was two types. So there's stocks and broths. So a stock would be um, a lamb shoulder with the meat on it placed in water um, and you could put some beautiful vinegars on there or, and um, some salt in there and, and add your garlics and your onions and vegetables but placed in water and stewed for only three to four hours. Take out all of the juices and drink those and that um, hasn't got the higher amounts of glutamate which sometimes can be quite excitatory to um, some children with ADD and ADHD and some um, adults with it. So basically there's the stock um, was really important. And then as your gut starts to heal, you can handle the broth. And the broth is throw the bones in after you've eaten the chicken, um, make up a a broth that you cook for 12 hours and then use that um, because that has other nutrition in it. So the longer you you increase the... Um, time of the broth cook um, the more calcium you'll pull out you don't pull out a lot of the calcium from the bones but you pull out a lot of other minerals out of the bone but I kind of figure nature knows what it's doing why is it not pulling out copious amounts of calcium probably because it's got all the other minerals that work together to enhance the effects of calcium it also has amino acids in it Um, it has gelatin in if there's some skin left there there's some gelatin 
Um, so it has marrow. So there's all these wonderful things, and it was, it was so funny because we had <laughs> wait for this. Bring yeah. this up. We had, and this is what people are doing. They're creating these amazing recipes. But we had Charlotte and Helen and Jeremy around for dinner at the house that we're we, we're renting, and they bought all the food. And Jeremy was the cook, and he made us two roast chickens. By the time the chickens were plucked of their meat, the bones were in a pot stewing for a chicken broth for us to have the next day. And then all the cut-off greens that she would have normally thrown away went in the pot and that was brewing before all the meat had come off just or just after the meat had come off. So we had that and then he cooked up the chicken livers. So he had chicken livers from the chickens. So he cooked those up and um, I think he bought a few extras because there was a few of us. So we had the chicken liver, the chicken, and then he had chicken hearts. Star anise, chicken livers and chicken hearts. Oh, gosh, yeah. that was beautiful. Was um, yeah, these beautiful. guys were having a ball. Really I found cool. it quite unusually different. Um, but then the dessert. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, yes, the dessert. So he brings out these puddings and we taste the dessert and then I said to him, oh, what's in this? And he goes, raw marrow, raw eggs. Was there lard or coconut oil? Was it coconut oil in there? I have no idea. You can't remember. I think it was coconut oil. And vanilla. Vanilla, banana, and a little bit of honey whipped in the Thermomix till it was as fine as fine can be. So it was like a chocolate pudding, but no chocolate in it. You know, custard. Like a, it looked like a it's custard. like a custard pudding. Oh, my gosh. It was delicious. Really? Absolutely delicious. And I want you to know, Kim, that since I ate that and all those livers and we've been what, eating... you look 28. Oh, my God. <laughs> I look 28. No, my energy's been superior. I'm, like, bouncing. You saw I went for a swim and I want to go for more. I just have this energy. No, darling, that's because you've been sleeping with me. Oh, okay. And I have been sleeping long hours, too. <laughs> True that. That was another thing. Sleep, mm-hmm. sunlight, movement, um, Detox your house. We had the beautiful Nicole. Oh, my gosh. Nicole spoke. Nicole Bilsma, who is an environmental um, building. um, She's got a PhD in environmental building, I think what it is. And she is so amazing. We stopped her book. But her knowledge was incredible around the toxins and EMFs and understanding. So our bodies are being bombarded is Mm. what I got the impression. Yes, that was it. Not just with food, but toxins. Beauty products, the beautiful Therese Kerr spoke from Divine. Oh my gosh, I love love her. She just was so passionate. And then we got to hear. And we're going to interview her, aren't we? Yes. We're going to interview her. She's already agreed to it there. All these people have agreed. You stay tuned, listeners. We have got the most phenomenal interviews lined up, I tell you. Um, But beautiful 11 year old Holly. Holly spoke. Oh, that's right. So she's created a. She started a fundraiser, a, a, A a charity. I forgot the name of it. I don't remember either. But she, um, at eight, she at started. Eight, she a started this. She wants to change the world. She had autism at the dinner or ADD, autism or ADD. I can't remember. Autism. She, I think it was autism. So here she is, eleven years of age, on stage interviewing doc, two doctors. Yeah, two pediatricians. And she interviewed them as a survivor of autism. It, her story, I don't know if that's the right words, but that's what she oh, said. She doesn't have she it anymore. She does not have the symptoms of autism anymore. Yeah. But she explained what it was like on stage with mm. the microphone. Very well-spoken, articulate young woman. You have to Google her. Um, Shall I've just gone blank with her surname. I'll have to look it up for you. Um, but she was phenomenal. Mm. Um, the man, you know what? The, the thing that's so beautiful about these things is you get to hear the most extraordinary people speak, particularly mm. if you're interested. And if you've hung in there for this podcast, 
you and you listen to us, you will you would have loved them the same way we yeah. love them. Robin Cosgrove, Mark oh, she was amazing. Cohen, Mark Cohen. I know, Doctor Mark Cohen, Doctor Robin Cosgrove. These are all medical doctors that have seen the light and they're realizing that what they were doing is not working and they had to change things. So we have just had the most. Look, I I, I would recommend Mind. Um, to any general public. Join them, Join help them, them fundraise. Yeah, help them. There's an outreach program very much similar to the Changing Habits outreach program. Just getting into our communities. This is why I created the education program. This is why Kim has created her program. That's why Karen's created her program, is to teach people to go out and change their community. Because, you know, we need more people out there with this message so that there are not more mothers that go, I wish I'd known this mm. before I got pregnant. Mm. I wish I'd done that detox. I wish I knew about the microbiome. I wish I knew about antibiotics because we did case studies. Every case study was about how much antibiotics, what the infections were, the thrush the mother had. I, it was just, it was, yeah. It was. So, so give me your biggest take-homes. Well, I think my biggest take-home is it is... I feel so privileged to be a woman that I get to provide beautiful, healthy foods for my family in order to heal a nation. I think that was the big one mm. and real foods. And yeah, I, 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 and, no, I, and I, I love doing that anyway, but I think that was my biggest take home. I think it cemented your passion for that, yeah, didn't it? For it did. Same for me. It was like, oh, now I love cooking even more. Even you know, more, so, yeah. <laughs> like there's an even bigger reason behind cooking so well. And and like she said, Natasha, if you don't like cooking, then you don't like looking after your family. That's the nuts and bolts of it. Harsh as that may sound, I actually got a bit of an aha. So on those mm. nights where I go, oh, I can't be bothered cooking, I kind of go, oh. I, actually, it's not about can't be bothered. It's about being prepared and organised so that your quick meal could be maybe just chicken soup tonight. Yeah. You have one of those in the freezer. Like To me, it's like Sunday's preparation day. That's just in our family that you get to prepare the meals for that week. So on those nights that you're busy or you're working late, you've still prepared a beautiful meal for mm. your beautiful family. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I took home was real consciousness around the toxins in our environment, looking at the beauty products. It, it actually made me feel quite um, overwhelmed, but also I felt so proud of you and the work that you do. I felt incredibly proud of the work that that our Karen does because she really does tap into the mindset of changing our mindset mm -hmm. from being a victim into a victor and how to be the best version of ourselves by stopping the stories and stopping the garbage that gets that blocks us that gets in our way. And I felt really proud of the company that I have and the products that I'm bringing out oh, and what I'm doing. Definitely. Because for the first time at a conference, I've really heard the impact of the environmental toxins and the control, personal care products, the control you, we have yeah. in our personal homes mm. around personal care products, cleaning products. Mm. And really, for the first time in any conference, I've heard them talk just as powerfully around those as they have around the food. So I tell you, it gave me an injection into where I'm going and what mm. I need to do and to step it up. And very proud of what we're each... And very proud of you, our listeners. Mm. The, the differences you are each making in your own homes, just by the little podcast. We had people come up to us at this conference <laughs> say, oh, my God, I feel like I know you because I listen to your podcast. We, I, we sat there with people that have come to our conferences, our own Awaken the Change Within Places, our own retreats because they've heard these podcasts. And the differences you've said you've made... 
I will be honest, this week I was in tears going, oh, it's so hard some days. I don't know if people, I know those of you that have your own businesses and families will really appreciate what it takes to run businesses and to be mums and to to do all the things that we do. And yeah, I had a bit of a meltdown this week about just how hard it is and how much work I have to do and how much I try to do it all. And I am on my own a lot without my husband. And, you know, I realize there's a lot of solo mums out there. So I kind of take my hat off to you and dads. But I really felt privileged to to know that I can also pick myself up because I slept with Cindy O'Meara um, and she told me I'll get through this um, and she <laughs> hugged me and said everything's great um, and she bought me in chicken soup and made me feel better. So, um, <laughs> but And then she gets up and knows that her bed's made, that she's had drops of lavender and, and beautiful little things in her bags and things like that. So it's just that beautiful thing of yeah. looking after each other we and did. getting through those times. So, you we know, did. thank you. Thank you for the privilege of listening to us mm-hmm. and knowing that you give up your time to hear three women talk passionately about topics that they love that yes we laugh a bit much sometimes but most of the time I think we all we want to do is regurgitate the information we've learned and share that with those of you that you can go out there and share it with those that you love so on that note I may not follow this up and finish it the way our beautiful Karen does but if you've enjoyed this podcast then make sure you go to our page um, up for a chat which is all the w's facebook.com forward chat forward forward slash up for a chat she does um, that too <laughs> i know i know <laughs> um you can also go to the wellness couch um the wellnesscouch.com and place your comments and feedbacks there, feedback there but more importantly make sure that you inspire those around you and if you are willing to carry on and be in the change then then just f- i don't even know how she finishes it what does she say <laughs> I've just got so into the moment. I know. You finish just, it the way you want to finish it. Then, then just be proud of yourselves yeah. and honour yourselves and absolutely place your comments onto our Facebook page. That's where we'll have a look. And make sure you also, um, you know, make a note if you want to make it more personal on the, the Facebook page um, into our messages. We do go in there and we do listen to them. So thank you so much. Continue to be part of the ripple effect that's inspiring others to change, make a difference and change the world. Take care now. We'll see you on the ride. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.